Movie Sucktastic is a podcast about bad movies and the people that love them. But it's more than just a podcast. It's an, also an online presence. If you want to know more about Movie Sucktastic or want to become a part of Movie Sucktastic, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, at Movie Sucktastic. You can find our blog at boothreviews.blogspot.com. Or if you want to give your own reviews that we might use on the show, you can go to reviews.moviesucktastic.com and check out our, our own little lunch.com community for Movie Sucktastic. Check us out and become a part of the show because the only thing more fun than a bad movie is sharing it. What's your preference? Apple? Pear? Wang? Oh, listen, I don't know anything about computers. Nobody does. Miles just bought a computer and he got more than he bargained for. You're talking. You'll notice. Madeline just moved in upstairs, and she's the girl he's falling for. I can't play that for her. I want to squeeze you, lick you, pucker up, and kiss you. You make her sound like a lemon. But I don't know what love is. You never told me. Did you write that for me? No, well, I mean, did you like it? When Edgar comes between them... I want to meet her. ...things start to get electric. You're taking over my life! Just a pest. You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. I'll write it, and we'll do it fucking live. That's what we're doing now, though, right? That we are live. Okay, then we're good. We are so totally live. Yes, indeed. Welcome, everybody, to Movie Sucktastic. Oh, yeah. Episode number 228. No. Wow. Close? No. <laughs> You're off by 20 episodes. 248. 48. See, that was close. Now, what's ironic about you saying that is 227 was when we um, was when we reviewed Death Wish 3. 
This challenge is from that episode. That's right. <laughs> it's been that long. So, yes. No. Uh, no, what the fuck am I talking about? Is that... No, that's wrong. I'm going crazy. God damn it, Joey. I'm going crazy, sir. Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I said, oh, yeah, it's it's from that... No. Uh, what did we review last week? That was your challenge to me, wasn't it? Isn't that true? Uh, yes. No, because I challenged you to this. No, you challenged me to this. So, yes. No, you challenged me to Superman 3 based That's off of correct. Death Wish 3. And I challenged you... Well, actually, I was going to challenge you to something else entirely. Heart beeps. But we both agreed that Electric Dreams was the way to go. Probably the, the easier of the two. And that's not saying much. No, no. no. Uh, although I think Heart Beeps is the, the worst movie. That's what, I mean, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what I find interesting about this film... Now, the film is Electric Dreams, 1984. 1984. Uh, written by Rusty Lemonade. And, uh, <laughs> I, saw the, I saw his name, and I'm like... And directed by Steve Bannon, so we're off to a good start here. Yeah, it's like, how is this? How is he not known as Rusty Lemonade his whole he life? He probably is. He probably is. That's Lemorande. Rusty Lemorande. And director Steve Barron. Steve Barron. I was having a little fun with you. Yeah. And uh, starring, um, starring the 80s. Starring the fucking eighties. This is this is one of the most eighties films. Uh, we have now. I, I've been I've been compiling a list of all the films we reviewed, and I'm trying to compile smaller lists. I think you and I have to compile our own top five most eighties films we've ever reviewed on the show. Ever, ever. Yeah. So that's going to be your homework assignment for next week. Okay, I could do that. Uh, top five, um, top five films that were the most eighties we've ever reviewed. Wow, you you are. So out of sync. Your mouth doesn't even line up right I now. I don't give a shit. And well, you should because it affects the quality <laughs> of our show. Ah. Uh, um. Someone was watching Iron Man two. Was it you? On my uh, plex. That, that would be Holly. Yeah, I killed that shit. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> she should know better. <laughs> it's like she started. Somebody started watching it an hour ago. It's like yeah. It's like we're and, the movie's. A, it's two and a half hours long. There's yeah, no way and, you're finishing this movie. I don't know why you started it. And since I have it on my Plex, yes, feel free to knock that off. That's probably why you're out of sync, because your bandwidth is being eaten up for Iron Man 2 on your Plex. No, because it's, it's in the network. Uh, yeah, but... Never mind. Anyway, Electric Dreams. Electric Dreams. Yeah, um, we, we have... Yeah, so next next week, be prepared with your list of the top five films we've reviewed that were the most 80s. Now, this is films we've reviewed or just films we've seen? Films we've reviewed. Bil films from the show. From the show. Oh, yes, I, I, I could totally do that. Yeah, that piece of cake. I, I have a feeling we're going to come up with probably... Oh, and there'll be gonna, overlap. There's absolutely going to be overlap. There'll be overlap. Special points if we, we, we match exact lists. Nice. But now, they have to be in order, though. They have to be in order from least 80s to most 80s. So that's where we oh, might get some difference as well. Least 80s. I'm going to write it down or else I'm going to forget. Least 80s. Least 80s to most, most 80s. 80s. This Electric Dreams will end up on being both of those lists. Top five. Easy top five. Okay. Uh, 
Um, are we gonna are we gonna do that next week, or are you gonna give me a challenge and we're gonna review that challenge, or we're just gonna throw no, no, no. this this top five in with the challenge? Yeah, we'll just we'll we'll talk we'll, we'll compare lists at the beginning of the show. It'll take Perfect. five minutes. Perfect. Nothing it, we can take it's five not gonna take five minutes. fucking minutes. <laughs> but it won't. But it's not gonna be like the thumb list, so it'll be fine. Oh, I missed the, the finger list. Finger list. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so so where to begin with Electric Dreams? Well, what, uh, what's interesting is he goes into a computer store. You know, who's he? Let's set up the plot oh, here. Uh, Miles Wood, Moles. There are only, there, now, there are only three main characters. And by this, I mean if you uh, – technically, maybe three and a half. But if you look at the, uh, the credits, you have three characters with names. And everybody else is Ticket Lady. Person online, yeah. guy in store. Nobody else even has names except for three. These three people. Uh, that's four. There's four people with actual names in the film. Right. Uh, the 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 boyfriend who I will be definitely be talking about. <laughs> oh, Rex Manning. Yeah. Rex Manning Day. <laughs> Rex Manning. Uh, so, but your main character is uh, Miles Harding. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I said Miles Wood. He's a hockey player. <laughs> Made that well, you know what's funny? The there is a hockey player, na- whose name is Scott Wilson, and I was watching the playoffs this year, and that team made it all the way to the finals. Scott Wilson shoots, and I'm like, what, 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 <laughs> what, what, what did he just do? I do. <laughs> he shoots and he almost scores. Uh, so his name is Miles Harding, <laughs> and he's an architect. Yes. That's trying to develop a an earthquake-proof brick. Correct, now, and he's doing feel, it based on a puzzle well, um, yeah. type configuration. Feel, feel free to forget everything I just said. It has no bearing on the story whatsoever. Zero. Except maybe as an excuse for him to buy a computer to try to help him with his life. <laughs> and, now, and what's interesting, when he goes to buy it, he says, I, I know nothing about computers. And the girl behind the counter says, yeah, no one does. <laughs> like, and this film proves that. Yes. Although <laughs> I, I will give this film credit for being, and, and I'll give it credit, um, and I'll break it down into two sections. Uh, f- the first part that I'm giving the film credit for is being inventive in the fact that it says, here, take these little black plugs, plug your devices into said black plug, and I will control it. And it's basically using whatever, infrared, radio uh, frequency, whatever it's using, to right. do any of that. And at the time, I'm sure that whoever wrote the script, the director, they said, yeah, there's nothing like that. Nothing is actually, like this. Actually, uh, from what I've read, there was technology like that at the time in its very basic stage. You know, it's not like it is now, but yes. Well, uh, the, from- where they go in the film, it's very advanced. Oh no no! I mean, they take it beyond right, obviously. But I mean, but from what I read, that basic concept technology, very high end at the time. You know, you wouldn't, you know, it's not wasn't commonplace. Right. But I think it was actually existent. Right, but not to the point of where they try and show it in the film, where the computer well, is sure. brewing coffee for him on its own, where it's making him a drink, uh, it's cooking his dinner. Well, let's 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 not get ahead of okay, ourselves. Okay, okay. What, what yeah. I'm giving the film credit for is being uh, inventive uh, and and just very, and I'll say it, ahead of its time, because we have shit that does that now. 
I, I, I don't I don't know if I feel comfortable saying it was ahead Dude, of its time. We have I, oh well no as far as the the ideas that they try to portray in the film, it it's very possible for all those things to happen. We have refrigerators I, I, that tell you when you're out of fucking milk now. Right, but I I, I what I would say is that it it built itself on technology that was exist in existence at the time. Right. But what I'm well, saying I, I, is they shot for the stars and said and this is why I'm giving it credit. They said, "Well, why don't we just do all this stuff? It ain't never going to happen." Uh, it, you know, it, it's it's way beyond what could actually happen and it, they did it by accident. They thought it, they were being ingenious then. But what turns out is we're just so far advanced that some of the shit in the film, it, it's it's more than possible I, now. It's I, more I, advanced. I refuse to to uh, to um, entertain words such as ingenious or ahead of its time with this film. <laughs> I, I I will not go there. Come on. I, I will meet you halfway and say that it's this is probably more realistic uh, as far as what computers can do than say war games or. Wow. Um, Tron or Tron. Uh, now the opening sequence is or, or just, literally any computer film from this era. Yes, and beyond. Uh, now the the opening sequence is is him at the airport. Now he uh, not they they, sh they first show Miles buying a, a an airline ticket from like a punch panel, right? Like with buttons. I, I really feel like that never existed. I I really feel like they've just made that up. Well, I'm, I'm positive. I, I'm positive they did. No, no, because no. it only had like the one, like it had the, like the big panel, then buttons for each each destination. Right. No, I, I, I seriously, I would have to do research on that. That I don't feel like doing, but I reject that as as viable technology at the time. Now, even and in, just fed the tickets out. I even in Superman three, uh, let's take Superman three for instance, the one scene in the film where Richard Pryor is fucking with the satellites. And the one guy goes over to what looks like an ATM, Mac machine, whatever the fuck it was called in 1983. And he goes and he puts something in there and it spits money out. Mm -hmm. Why do I want to say that didn't exist in 1983? I'm probably really, I'm probably wrong. I think you're wrong. But it seemed well, like that, right. that technology, no, I think you are right. But I think, but I'm saying I think. I no, want I mean, us. I, I mean about the. I mean, I mean about the airline thing. No, I'm think you're right about that. But what I'm okay. getting at is, I feel the same way about that scene in Superman three. I'm just comparing it to how you're feeling about the scene in Electric Dreams. Is that I'm like, I, I want to say that that doesn't exist, or didn't exist in 1983, for whatever reason. I want to say that that technology where you could put a card in and it spits money back out at you, didn't happen until the 90s. The first ATM was built in 1967 or 69, depending on which uh, Google response you... you uh... Jesus Christ. Yeah. And uh, did it uh, use like a credit card or a debit card situation? I'm not, I'm not reading that far into it. Uh, okay. but, but I'm saying that it's, it's the, just into the 70s is when the first ATM appeared. Now, again, that's the first ATM. That's not like all of a sudden everybody's using them, but well, yeah. the technology was there. I, again, I'm, I'm not saying they didn't use computers to uh, in airlines, obviously, but I don't think they ever gave the public a big box with buttons they could push to get a ticket. No, I reject that. That's probably now, true. I, now, now, I, I agree with that. Now, the, but the opening scene is him at the airport having trouble with that, and then he's surrounded by all these people, 
um, using technology. Uh, the kid with the remote control car, the guy doing uh, using his calculator watch. Uh, the I, I like the, I like the woman with the calorie counter that said you're still fat. That was nice. <laughs> Uh, you know, kids playing little Clico games. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, the the woman um, taking English lessons, which I I, I I felt I felt they were kind of pushing the limit by putting a Walkman into technology. But okay, whatever. Right, and they went as so far as to have her look directly at him when she's doing that, and it 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 was an awkward scene because. The there, whole film's there, an awkward scene. It, there's there's no reason why you didn't feel that she wasn't talking to him. I, 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 I thought it was a bad scene. Yeah, the whole, the whole film is a bad scene. Yeah. I, I, let's be fair. But they, they set you up for that, and then uh, I, what, what I liked is that I, I really feel like you could just re-edit this film and make it a horror film. <laughs> well, you know what's uh, interesting about that? For, for I always thought it... I've never really seen this movie. Not until you challenged it to me. Or I, I, I watched it, it on cable you. when I was a kid. Yeah. There, the actor, I remember him so vividly uh, as an actor that I've seen before. And, Lenny Van Dolan, uh, the, the lead character. Yes. Yeah. And and I'm like, and I'm just saying to myself, I'm like, why do I know his face? And the, o- the only thing I so vividly remember seeing him in, and I didn't even know the movie until I w- watched this because I never really saw it. I only saw bits and pieces. The only thing that really stood out to me was a close-up or a semi-close-up on him where you see his face and it's all red around him. And that scene mm-hmm. actually happens in this movie. And I was like, oh shit, that's how I know him, from this movie. But I never really saw this movie. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy that that's what sticks out when I see him or this film. Well, is. he was in Twin Peaks. Yeah, but I don't remember anything... Uh, like the, like seeing him surrounded by okay, a red I, glow. I'm just mentioning one of the other big things he was in. Yeah, no, I remember. Um, yeah, he for, he wasn't in a lot of things, but for some reason, like he's a very recognizable '80s uh, face. Yeah, you know, he wasn't really in a lot of things. Um, now the the other the other face that is recognizable the minute I saw him was uh, when he leans over the talk to Virginia Madsen. Is Maxwell Caulfield. Rex Manning. <laughs> it's Rex Manning Day. Now, he uh I've never been a fan of his. No. And and because I liked and I liked Grease too. I well see, as a kid I enjoyed Grease too, but I would I I refuse to say I liked it. Well and uh I I I had this infatuation with Michelle Pfeiffer. Always did. Uh-huh. Um, especially in the Jeff Goldblum vehicle into the night. Well, Grease Two was supposed to be his big break, and it bombed. It bombed horribly, and he and was so, one of those pretty boys that you would think would show up a lot. And didn't he just end up in Dynasty for a long time? He he he, he acted in other things beyond, but this like he never really survived the uh, uh, the, the the bombing of Grease Two. Yeah. Uh, my favorite trivia about him is that. Uh, before acting, he was a go-go dancer, <laughs> I and he's it. and he's he's uh, most famous for uh, acting nude on stage. Oh, really? Yeah, I think what was uh, I think it was was it with Jessica Tandy? There was one thing that he spent forty-five minutes naked on stage with Jessica Tandy. Like full frontal or underwear? 
Oh, well, they're saying nude, so I would say that would wow. be full. Okay. Yeah. Um, Take some confidence. I think it was Jessica. I have to look it up. I think it was Jessica Tandy. It was. It was like an actress that was like, "Oh, really? With her?" But uh, Jessica. T- <laughs> yeah, but you're my only friend. <laughs> um, I, I am. Yeah, I'm not a fan of his. And so the fact that he plays the asshole in this too is kind of like funny. Yeah. It's like you're well, not even a hero. Well, he did that, <laughs> and, and when he when he did Empire Records as as Rex Manning. I they were, they were just kind of poking fun at at him and kind of his career, like he was like kind of that guy where he was almost famous, <laughs> and he kind of faded away, but he's still going to record stores trying to promote himself because he's got a shitty new video. Yeah. Oh, um, and, and speaking of Empire Records, never really uh, watched it. I liked Empire Records. I watched, but it really annoyed the shit out of me. I could only take it in small bits. Not a fan. It's very '90s. It's probably the most yeah. '90s movie. If we made a most '90s film, best you know, most '90s, oh. least '90s, that would be in the list and would probably oh. be at the top of the most '90s. Fucking that movie just irritates the living shit out of me. <laughs> you went from eh, not really to that fucking piece of shit. I, I well, I can't, I can't say it's a piece of shit because I've never sat through and watched the film beginning to end. But I've watched chunks of it, and every time I've watched a chunk of it, I've been like, "That's why I'm not going to watch this film because it annoys the fuck out of me." Well, you know what? It, it I, I think it has a lot to do with us being around. As much as we grew up in the '80s, we also kind of grew up in the '90s too. Ah, and I was uh, correct. What? Um, uh, he once played completely uncovered for 40 minutes with Academy Award-winning actress Jessica Tandy. You're my best friend. <laughs> so I don't know what that was about. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, he, he only has like uh, four four scenes in the whole film. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he, kind yeah. of a dick, a dick, a big dick. <laughs> yeah, but as Super far as dick. as far as like lines of dialogue in the film, I think he's third. Oh, I think he he probably ties with uh, Miles' uh, co-worker Frank. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Women. <laughs> <laughs> you have but your I, soaps, you have your TV dinners, you have this. So, You're not a lonely. Just go do whatever. <laughs> so Women. So 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 our 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 main character Miles is so geeky. He's the worst kind of geek. He's the kind of geek that doesn't even understand technology. No. He's just geeky in like the old school sense of I carry papers and pencils around. Yeah, he's not kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, and the problem is they they our, our lead actor our our, our romantic lead because this is a romantic film. Yes, our romantic lead is awkward, uh, unappealing, uh, maybe mildly attractive. I don't know. Uh, hard for me to judge. He's got some nice baby blues. And then the female lead is that that kind of like scattered scatterbrained yeah uh juvenile she's a musician uh, she's actually I, I actually found her quite annoying in half of her scenes uh yes especially in the drive-in theater scene you know it's it's the well that scene i was like can the two of them just kill each other and get it over with right it was, it was like why are they together right this second yeah, I don't. Uh, how, how did this 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 just, doesn't end in a kiss? I've just, been on this date. It doesn't end with kissing. It just seemed like they were annoyed by, or specifically, she was more annoyed by his presence uh, at all. Yeah. 
she takes him to a drive-in. Oh, I haven't put popcorn on my dashboard in a while. And she's just kind of like, just shrugging him off. Yeah, whatever. I don't fucking care. Um, it, it's really, she, he's the intro, introvert, she's the extrovert. Yeah. But I, I don't know, I don't know if there's any kind of real chemistry between the two. And I, I hate when people use that, but still, I'm going to use it. No, that's no. It's good. It's but, it's, and like it's, the it's fine when it's, it's appropriate. Yeah, the weird like, dates. She um, drags the drive, and then it's like, oh, let's go to Alcatraz, and then like, and then like break away from the tour and run around and hide. Yeah, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. The fuck is this? A cup on the. Yeah, on I, the it's supposed to be cute, and I was like, uh, okay, so this means that this. <laughs> she's like a thrill seeker. She has a. Oh yeah, I do this all the time. I come to Alcatraz and break in. <laughs> you do what? I I need to not date my neighbor. That's so, what I need but we haven't had sex yet, right? <laughs> how is that? Not. How is that possible? <laughs> now, you crazy so bitch. The basic plot is: so he meets her, he buys his computer, um, he connects his computer over the uh, phone lines to his boss's big computer. Yes. And then, in weird science fashion, uh, downloads all of that big computer's information into the desktop. Yes, because because again, because because when when the computer asks you what the 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 uh, memory is. no what the memory li- limits are oh that's right what uh, unlimited the unlimited oh, oh okay so it doesn't matter that you know there's no way we could fit the t- the, the information here and they don't even bother we you know and that's I think that's why they put I, I think that's why they had to write the character and not knowing anything about computers because if he knew anything about computers he wouldn't try to do half the things he tries to do like like downloaded an entire like data banks worth of mem- information into a desktop computer correct that probably has 8k of ram yes that that that, <laughs> that the desktop computer that you were looking at in this film is probably less powerful than my phone right now oh that's not that's not a theory it is less powerful it's less powerful than the computer i had 15 years ago it's less powerful than my watch and I'm not even wearing one. That, yeah, there you go. I think I have 8K of RAM in me somewhere. <sighs> Restart? Fuck you! Speaking of computers taking control... <laughs> Your computer wants to reboot? I said, fuck you. Did it get the new uh, Creative Suite update for Windows 10? I, no, I, I guess it didn't. That's why it's telling me it wants to update. Um, so, the computer... So he downloads all that information, and then when the computer catches fire, he dr- he he douses it with champagne. Right, because it's it's overloading. Because you know uh, that unlimited memory, you know, really came in handy. And this creates life. Yeah, what it should have done was completely destroy his computer. Now, willing suspension of disbelief. I'll I did, go with that. I did like the shot that they had of the champagne pouring into the circuit right. board. Okay, let, let's 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 tackle this. Okay. There are some great shots in this film. There are some very good shots in this movie. It's, and why? it's wasted talent. And why are there many great shots in this film? Well, the cinematographer. No, no. Well, the director, the director Steve Barron. Yeah. This is his first feature film. What did he direct before this film? Oh, music videos. Yes. Music videos. Music videos. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> lots and lots of music. That's why the film is 70% music video. Yep. There's like five montages in this film. That's, and they're not montages. They're music videos. They're basically... Yeah, oh my God, it's crazy. And when you watch this, 
Uh, there's always this argument about these music video directors about when they go and make film. Like when David Proyas went and did Dark City, he caught a lot of shit because he used to do music videos before he did Dark City. Mm-hmm. And when I saw Dark City, I just thought it was an ingenious film with some really amazing visuals. No, it was a great movie. Yeah. I back you on that. And and people are like, oh, he's music video guy, blah, 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 this movie's shit, blah, 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 not good, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? I wouldn't now, argue with someone that gave that argument for this film. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that guy came from music videos. He, the movie's got that feeling, and it's got music videos. No, you're right. It does. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying that equals a bad movie. Right. Uh, but you could, you even if you don't know that Steve Barron did video music videos, you can tell when you watch the film because one, there's a lot of music videos in it. Yeah. And two, uh, a lot of the camera work is a lot of the things that he does in the film, the slow motion macro scenes, like when the, again the champagne and, and the the. That's the, probably my favorite. The fuck's the word? Motherboard. The motherboard. The, Cir- the, circuit board. Motherboard. Um, yeah. That's that in this entire film. That's probably my favorite visual in the movie. Now another thing he does a lot of is uh, at least in the first half of the film is crane shots he does crane shots swooping crane shots like the 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 whole now i'm gonna give credit my favorite character in this movie is the computer yeah for two reasons one they when they they do the evolution of the computer i thought they spend they spend more time than you would expect them to showing how it learns and i liked that i like the fact that it starts mimicking voices and then it starts mimicking music and then from there you know and then it, it learns how to talk that way and then it, it sh- and then it has its own voice right now uh the 80s was rife with artificial intelligence films yep and they and they never stopped i mean just look at how recently a couple years ago with her with her or, or the, the movie her ex machina no no the movie her yeah, that's the yeah. one with the operating system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm, even, I'm even talking it's, about it's X. Hard. No, X, X, X Machina 2, yeah, but, but, but I'm, I'm looking for that romantic angle. Oh, well, sure. Like like um, uh, Making Mr. Right, things like that. Oh, man. Uh, even, even, even if you go more childish, you've got uh, Short Circuit. I mean, it's never really stopped. No, it really it, never it, has. It, it, and it, yeah, the '80s really—you had like robots and shit in the '70s and earlier. But once computers became started becoming commonplace, the AI factor uh, really cranked up. Yep. Uh, so, I I am a huge Bud Court fan. Bud Court. So the fact that he does the voice saves this film for me. <laughs> I actually in, like I actually enjoy, and but again. Uh, when I said this film, uh, you cut me off before, so I'm going to go back to it. When I said this film could have been a horror film easily, yes, because when he when we first meet Miles in the beginning and he's at the office and he's talking to his uh, coworker and he's like, oh, you got to use this thing, organizer. I never miss a thing. It it plays music on your birthday. Uh, it's all shot through black and white security cams. Right, right. Like someone's watching them, and it has that really, that kind of oppressive Big Brother feel. Because it follows them like uh, down the hallway into the elevator, and they don't really do that again. No, no, they kind of, they kind of. I don't know. Maybe they blew their budget. Who knows? I don't know, but it just, it, it's, it's a creepy moment. Yep. And uh, what was the budget on this? I didn't look. I'm, I have it. 
It's uh, um, budget's five and a half million, made f- two point four million. So, oh, bombed. <laughs> um, wow, it was a July release. They tried to push then, this for your summer, you know, kind of romantic. I com- guess I you know, know date night kind of film. But Bud Court doing the computer voice, he Bud Court it it he he does creepy well. He sure does. But he does he does adorable well too, and he, even on a, as a voice actor, I mean the guy was a, a singer and uh, he fucking very multi talented. Um, when he starts off adorable, but then near the end he's like, "I want to meet her." It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm having flashbacks to die die laughing. You know, he's just like he, he goes fucking dark. And, There's and, my and monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever touch me like that again. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, there's some really intense scenes, and it's all because of him. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, I mean, if they had rewritten, if someone had just said, "Listen, romantic comedy is not going to cut it, but we can make this a horror film, and and it'll it'll fucking fly." Yeah, uh, yeah. It, seriously, it just it has those moments, but. And I, I, I give a hundred percent credit to Bud Court's voice acting. He sells he sells yeah. those moments. He no, no, he no. sells the funny, he sells the serious, and when he goes creepy dark, it's you believe it. Yeah, and and like I said, I had never really seen this film before. I because I really knew nothing about this other than the synopsis. You know, a mm-hmm. boy, a girl, a computer, you know, whatever the tagline is. Um I kind of thought it was going to go horror film a little bit. Like when the neighbor comes in because the music's too loud mm-hmm. and he uh, allows the door to be open, I'm like, oh, that guy's going to fucking get killed. <laughs> like he, he's going to he's gonna die and the computer is going to call someone to dispose of the body and it's going to make him go away. Um, but that didn't happen. And when it didn't happen, I said, all right, it's probably not going to go in that direction because if it was, that's the moment it, it goes in that direction mm-hmm. is when the neighbor comes by to tell him to, to turn the music down and the door, and that was, and the that, door opens and that was that was the end of one of the music videos in the movie yeah um, sisters the other shot that i did like in the film if we if we want to talk about visuals yeah um, please was the one where the fireworks are going on and they're like kind of next to each other and in the background are all these fireworks going it was just done very well mm-hmm. uh it, it it just it worked um Here's a crane shot here of the over the whole orchestra. Yeah, that like, is one of the sweeping shots they do. Yeah, it's like this serious crane. It's, it's such a wide-angle crane shot that if you look in the far distance, it's blurry. Mm-hmm. Because they, I guess they couldn't fix that with a wide angle. But uh, it was one of these sweeping, you know, swooping crane shots. And and you're right. After a certain point in the film, they just stopped doing it. There's that one scene where the camera work is going through the duct work into her apartment when she's listening to the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I'm going to call bullshit that she's a real musician because if she hears like that digital synthesizer shit and likes it over what she's producing or making in the orchestra, you're not a real musician. Come on. Well, you're, you're playing classical music and that gets you there. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it won't. It's funny. Uh, 
Catherine was in the room when I was rewatching this. Uh, she's back from college now, so she's hovering in the dining room doing computer work the entire day. Oh. And uh, I'm watching it, and and, and it, it, it's that scene where she, uh, the movers, and she takes her cello from them. Says, "Oh, I'll take this. I've had it since I was 12." I got Catherine in behind me. Says, "No, no, no. Kids don't have them that big when they were 12, so she couldn't be the same cello." I'm like, "Shut up." <laughs> it may have been a fuck in there. <laughs> and I was like, "Shut up! Shut the fuck up!" That's not. You're not helping. Who's to say that she can't have a cello that size at twelve? Like maybe her, maybe her parents were stupid. Quiet. <laughs> that's maybe. not. That's not. That's not the. Re, that's not the thing you pick apart in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And 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 I don't believe that they make cellos for twelve-year-olds smaller. I don't know. I'm assuming I, they I, all. I, I believe the sound would be different. I told Catherine, listen, they couldn't give her a tuba because it wouldn't work. So right. she got a cello. Shut up. <laughs> be funny if she'd make the brown noise the whole fucking movie. She got a tuba. I know the brown noise. <laughs> Second time today someone's mentioned the brown noise. <laughs> the brown note. Yeah. Well, because you probably mentioned fucking tuba. No, no, it's dip- no. Second time today, someone has mentioned the brown note, and and it had nothing to do with with uh, really? this movie. Well, at least I brought it up because I heard tuba. Right. <laughs> um. Um. Yeah, that's about how I feel about this film. Um. The, the, the other part with the cello, I thought was was um, if if you want to nitpick, so, uh, how come that uh, how. Yeah, could these elevator doors like cut a person in half if they're crushing cellos? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know they used to do that in films. I mean, like a guy's leg would get in, caught in the door, or or their arm or head, and it would just get cut completely off. Yeah. Well, and, and also I was like, what, what, what the hell? Why are they cramming people into it like into like a uh, uh, industrial elevator? It's like a fucking huge. They're like, oh wait, orchestra. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. Yeah. Take the freight elevator. Shut up. <laughs> Uh. Uh. <laughs> um. Any any thoughts on Virginia Madsen, who plays the uh, romantic interest in this film, the cello player? Um. Uh, you, you, you a fan of hers from Dune at all, or? Uh ironically enough, not so much from Dune. Okay. Um, How was that ironic? Because you would think me being a fan of Dune, I would be a fan of her. She didn't have really a big enough part in Dune for me to even care. Um, what was the, what was the film that I was just fucking in love with her? Uh, what the fuck was it? Well, you know what? Before just before this film, and uh, Where before I think before. Before Dune, right? I gotta double check that. I think it was before. Yeah, her first film. So it was. It was before this. Uh, Dune and Electric Dreams came out the same year. So I don't know which one she was working on first. But in 1983, just before these, she played the uh, the slutty mother in Class. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it. that. Was her? That's the first thing she ever did. And I remember watching that on cable. And that's between uh, she, Rob Lowe and, and um, Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's the classic. Oh, you fucked my mom. <laughs> That's probably uh, yeah, yeah. That's probably the film I I really liked her. I had a thing for blondes back then. Uh huh. Uh huh. Candyman. Hey, oh, I liked her in Candyman. 
See, I never, I never got into Candyman. You know, that was a point where, where I hit a certain point where, where when someone said Clyde Barker's movie, I was like, eh, I'll skip it. Yeah, I also I, liked I her in the yeah. the Prophecy. Um, with the, was she was she the lead in the Prophecy? Yeah, she was the mom of the kid. I honestly just feel like every time I've seen her in a film, she's been uh, forgettable. Yeah, even when she did so, well. Even in Sideways, she was forgettable. Sideways, I don't. I, honestly, I, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't remember the female characters from Sideways. Just the guys. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> uh, I think she's just most famous for being uh, Michael Madsen's sister. Yeah, I could do it. I could do it. At least for me. Like, like yeah, she was in the number twenty-three. I don't remember. Her. I I, I got to be honest. I don't remember her that in that either. Yeah, I, I just she's really there's nothing that really leaves a mark on me about her. The, I'm not saying I'm not saying anything negative about her. The thing that I remember her most from is Class, um, Dune, and um, I gotta I gotta I gotta get a copy of Class. It's been so long. Prophecy. I, I remember watching that. I, I remember watching it. When I was way too young to watch it. Yeah, I gotta look. You too. know, we're talking '80s cable. I'm like I'm 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 definitely not old enough to be watching sex comedies. Oh, that's right. She was in The Rainmaker too. She played the mom in The Rainmaker as well. Never saw that one. I think that was she was the mom. Or am I thinking of something else? It's a John Grisham novel, so That's why. Yeah. Yeah. John Grisham had like literally like ten movies, uh ten books of his made in the movies in the nineties. They just couldn't stop making his fucking books in the movies. It's cause, mm. you know, it was because movies like the uh, the firm made huge money. Well, that was the first one, and that yeah, and that made so much money. They're like, oh, we have to do this every year now. That's right. Oh, good. Oh, there is a copy of Class out there. I'm going to grab that. Oh, is it HD? No. Damn it. Unless you want the 24 gig copy. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, anyway. Now, now, also, Electric Dreams. Now, uh, now the 80s, th- there uh, is... There is uh, and I don't think the <sighs> Philip K. Dick didn't he write something called Electric Dreams? Catherine asked me the same thing. It's a no. Uh, Philip K. K. Dick wrote "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" and that's the story that Blade Runner uh, Blade Runner is based on. Okay. Now there is kind of an homage, possibly on purpose, in Electric Dreams, where when he tells Edgar, uh, the, which you don't hear, you don't under, you don't learn the computer's name until the end of the film. Right. So spoiler alert. <laughs> Uh, when he when he tells Edgar when it's Edgar in- asks what's dreaming and he tells him how the dream, so then they have the dream sequence, which I thought was really cool because it it, it kind of combined uh, like the the best Amiga graphics from 1980. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it, again, it had a real heavy metal music video feel to it. Yes. Am I correct? There you are correct. Yeah, it's like heavy metal it springs immediately to mind. Um, but uh, in it that the. When that scene starts, he has sheep jumping over, right. you know, he, like like he's counting sheep. Because and that, Miles tells him to go to sleep. Right. So you, it's possible that was intentionally meant as an homage to uh, do Android Dream of Electric Sheep. But uh, what that. year did now? What year did Blade Runner come out? Eighty two. So it's only two years prior. Okay, but it is. It's, it's but it is in the 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 the. It is out in the culture now. It's not like before. I mean, you know, because like. And an homage to Philip K. Dick before Blade Runner, who's gonna know? True. Who's gonna even do it? I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't popular until 
that in the mainstream. We're talking film culture. Right. Uh, the general public did not really know Philip K. Dick. Correct. Until Boyd Run. I, I I don't think I'm, I'm I don't think I'm off base saying that. I, I would even say the general public still kind of doesn't know Philip K. Dick. No, but but there's a better chance of it oh, yeah. after Blade Runner. Absolutely. Blade Runner was such a huge hit. Huge. Yeah, so that, and that introduced people to the concept, so then people were like, oh, I know what that is. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, that's all I'm saying is that if this film came out before Blade Runner, right. I'd seriously doubt it was intentional. Okay. Two years after Blade Runner? Maybe. Maybe. It was Maybe. huge. Huge. China. China. Mm. Um... I, I like the other video. I like, it's, it, it, the computer parts of the film are really what's interesting. Um, uh, I like when he's playing Pong at the one point. Yep. And he asked him if and, he wanted uh, to play. Oh, yeah. Like, and like when he gets mad at him, why did you lie? And he's got the two people boxing. Right. And it, and it looked like it punched him in the dick. It did. Didn't, uh, that wasn't just me. Okay. <laughs> it really it looked was, to me like he got punched in the dick. I expected an uppercut, and it was the opposite. Yeah, it was a dick shot. It, and then later when they ripped off uh, Pac-Man... Oh, God, yeah. When he buys the computer, you were talking about Amiga. In the background, they had a um, a stand, a revolving stand, just full of iMagic games from the short-lived iMagic Oh, yeah, system. there's actually a picture of it on the... Uh, <laughs> it's like one of the screenshots I found on IMDb actually has that shot of him oh, holding his chin, thinking, and in the background is the iMagic The iMagic. And I, I never, I never had any experience with that whatsoever. I, I, I think I, my family was not introduced to computers until uh, later in the eighties, and that yeah. was to the, the majesty of Commodore sixty four slash one twenty eight. I had a Commodore sixty four growing up, and as far as video games, I had an Intellivision uh, and an Atari twenty six hundred, and then of course I've had video game systems ever since then. I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where I've never owned a video oh, game Jesus. system. And it, uh, uh, speaking of artificial intelligence, let's not forget Weird Science, which is technically the same thing. Weird Science? Yeah. yeah. It came out a year later. Right. And again, uh, computer downloading all this information. It just... Uh, it, it's... I, I, it almost... <laughs> let your dreams. You can almost see them saying, hey, do, let's do that, but the opposite. Right. Now, do you think this is a situation where? Um, do you think this is a situation where they got this film out before Weird Science? You know what? There were so many. There was so much going on with computers in the eighties. I, I would be hard pressed to, to to name any of them as the sole originator of the idea or the concept or even like you know ripping off somebody. Right. Everybody was fucking doing it. I mean, what year was Tron? Uh, Tron was eighty two. Yeah, all, two years all this shit. Yeah, the eighties was rife of oh, we have no idea what the fuck this does, so let's put it in a film. Right, That's, because the personal know. computer was never affordable until the mid to late nineties. Yeah. Mid nineties, yeah, late nineties. You got War Games, nineteen eighty three. Um, I'm trying to think of other computer related films uh, from the eighties, but there's so many of them. It just kind of. But yeah, I mean, they're all floating out there at the same time. Pretty much, yeah. Who, you know, who, who's to say who, which one came first? It's really, it's not like, it's not like, oh, in this time period, we. Uh, I'm trying to think of a. It, it's not like like Jim Cotta. There's only one Jim Cotta. Yeah. Uh, if somebody else ripped off Jim Cotta, there's only ever 
going to be one Jim yeah. Carter. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like uh, when you have oh, here's a here's a horror film that takes place in a prison, and then two others came out the same year. Okay, that's a that's an easily identifiable trend. Yeah. This 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 is like I, I guess you could say this was part of the zeitgeist, the whole uh, personal computers and just you know the gaming systems and the computers and everybody uh, just excited that they could beep boop beep whatever they were you know the, the hand they had we had handheld computers that then they were shitty computers. You know, they were pretty much like the football games and the uh, "you're still fat" machine, but <laughs> it, it was it was something that and 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 the you knew that this was the beginning of something, right? So all the you know Hollywood jumps right on it, and everybody's gonna make films about where it's gonna go. So oh, really, where can you trace it to? Yeah, it's it's hard, and I I feel I really feel bad about Bud Court being in this film too. Why? Well, because he was, I mean, don't forget, you, you, he was you really... You think he was still living on that Mickey and Maud money? I don't. Well, well, no, but he well, he wasn't living on much money because he had that big accident in 79. He, it was a near-fatal car crash. Yeah, that's true. That's why, that's like in Die Laughing, he's got, still got a cast on his arm and scars on his head and shit. He was reconstructive surgery and, um, uh, what do you call it, when you have to learn how to walk again. Um, oh, the rehabilitation. Rehabilitation. <laughs> I'm so at a loss for words tonight. That's okay. And yeah, so like it, it pretty much like fucked up. I mean, he was he was he was launching. I mean, the '70s he launched out of nowhere. I mean, he, Brewster McCloud, uh, Brewster McCloud, Harold and Maude, uh, which both of them put him on the map. But you know, then with just as he's getting doing other stuff, that his accident happened, it really knocked him out of it. He was he was doing like side stuff after that. Was that accident his fault? Uh, no, but uh, one of the problems was I think like it's something like he drove into a, a derelict car that was like left in the road or something. But oh. he lost he lost the lawsuit, so he didn't get any payout out of it. So so you know it, it I think it wrecked him financially as well. Ouch! And it just took a long time to recover. And, and after that, you're you're not you're not out there anymore. So what is he doing? He's doing you know die laughing was 1980. Now yeah. now he's uh, uh, now he's in um, uh, electric he's dreams. He's in electric dreams. Has he uh, done anything lately? No, he's older. I mean, he's been in stuff, but no, he's not really doing. You know, he appears in things. Let me put it that way. He it's appears interesting. In stuff. His picture on IMDb is him from the you know, the early 80s. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, the the I I brought him up. Oh, I recently. said I said Mickey and Maud. I meant Harold and Maud. Yeah, I, I I I didn't catch that, but I knew what you meant. That's why I didn't catch it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was yeah. He he has like bit appearances and things. But he's not really headlining anything. Um, the the it, he actually came up a while uh, like last year because uh my uh, younger stepdaughter Lilith she started watching that that Bates Motel show. Okay. And and I and she, when we were talking about it because I have knowledge of horror films and i told her this isn't the first tv bates motel there was a made for tv movie that they were that was technically a pilot and bud court played uh a young norman bates or something like that but he, he took over the bates motel oh uh yeah nothing came of it i remember <laughs> watching it when it was on tv because at the time i was a big splatterpunk and what year was that i can, I can uh it's i think it's, it was called bates motel so it was fun pointing that out to her that ha, you don't know everything, jerk. Bates Motel. 
was that that was early 90s wasn't it 87 1987 is founded okay, so it was late 80s okay right yeah right after Inv- invaders from mars which he was also in mm. but uh I, I really feel like if he hadn't it, that it, that's it was like a life-altering event that accident so it seems like you know, it i mean he's been working but he's got a lot of time between projects it it it, it, it really knocked him out of the the mainstream so to speak or the chance to do more stuff i i don't know i mean it just 10 years later you know five years four years later he's uh he's act he's voice acting in a cardboard box <laughs> it's you know, just a matter of, it's just a matter of time before uh, tarantino uh, revives his career that, that that's what i i don't know i think it's a bit too late for that but um really a little bit. I don't think so. I think if Quentin Tarantino put you in something and it was substantial, that's it. You're done. Or, I mean, you're good. He's done it for a lot of people. Just pulled people out of obscurity, and then next thing you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that guy. I remember him. Uh-huh. Or that, that woman. I remember her. I, I, find, I, I found it hilarious when I read that the director... Uh, would not allow anybody to act with uh, Bud Court directly, or or meet him, or talk to him, or be around him. They they, they isolated him in the cardboard box. That probably be- wasn't good for Bud. Because because well, I think it is because I think that that craziness that comes out later was part of that. I'm in a box. <laughs> uh, but but the, the stated reason was that he was trying to protect the performances of the other actors because he was afraid that if they uh, identified with the voice that they would have a different reaction than talking to a computer. And I'm like, yeah, we're not dealing with De Niro here. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, you know what? But I, I do like that at least he was trying to be creative with that. I, yeah, but I, I just feel like it was it, – it, I, I think it did more harm than good for Bud. Poor Bud. Ah, uh, uh, but I, I, I mean, watching this film, mm-hmm. I actually, I, I found myself smiling during the dialogue scenes with Bud. I mean, with, or with Edgar, with, with the Edgar. computer. Yeah. I, and, he, and you know what? You say they don't find it till the end of the film. I'm pretty sure it's his tagline on one of the posters. It is. The poster tells you, but in the film, if you just watch the film, you don't get the name till the very end. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the film's not horrible, but the problem is. The the huge the big link is the romantic comedy part, and that's the part that really kind of drags the film down a bit. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I wasn't into it. I I liked I, I, think, I liked you know I liked a lot of other things. I I think having that lovers triangle was okay, but it built it's it spent too it, it was it was just spent too much time building up to it and spent too there was like two music videos too many in the film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, just too much of like oh. And now, now he learns what love is. It's like, okay, just tell yeah. me and let's move He's on. He's like, I, I sent 40,000 volts to myself. It's in <laughs> Tokyo right now. It's like, why did you just unplug it? <laughs> oh, no, he's committing suicide. Leave him yeah, alone. No, I got that, but he could just unplug it. Uh, it, it um, just don't pick up on the first ring. Like, what are we I, I, a lightning I, I, storm? They took the lightning storm mentality. You're not supposed to be on the phone when there's a lightning storm. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, it's true. You're not supposed to be. I always thought that was a weird thing growing up as a kid. When it was the lightning out, it's like, oh, I'm gonna call someone, or we got a phone call. It's like, get off the phone. Like, what are you talking about? The shit's out there. 
I, I like the uh, I like the ending too. It's, the ending is especially '80s when Edgar takes over the. You think he's dead, but he takes over the radio station at the end and dedicates the song to uh, his his people he loves. Right. And then and then the rest of the music video is a montage of people across the across the state or the country or whatever, uh, for being forced to dance by the music. Yeah, Johnny Five is alive. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know where the music's coming from. I, I don't know, but I enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, the people in business, uh, in offices, shaking their, scratching their heads as they look at the yeah. monitor because there's things dancing up and down. Harold, go tell him the music's too loud. But the music isn't bad. Just go it's do not it. Bad. It's the music. That's telling him, Harold. Yeah. Harold's lucky he's not dead. And you know what? And I remember watching this film as a kid, and that's what. And I, I enjoyed this film as a kid when I was on cable. I would watch it because, you know, Bud Court. Well, I didn't know what Bud Court was at the time, but just he he's he it, it, it worked. That part worked, and it the did. music video stuff was just is just the one thing that drags it down. Unfortunately, it's two eighties in that respect. Yep. Uh, now, Rusty Lemerand. Uh, Rusty Lemerand. Uh, uh, the only other things he wrote, uh, basically, the only other thing he really did was Captain EO. That's it, really. Well, he did a couple other things, but like he did the Journey to the Center of the Earth with um, the kid, with the kid from uh, Weird Science. Huh. Excuse me. Meaning the other one, not Johnny B. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got some other screen, but the only the only big the only big ones like if you, if you t- mentioned to somebody, go, oh yeah, that Captain EO. That's alive? probably his claim to fame as a writer. Captain EO, yeah. Yeah. I just uh well and also the director now the director, uh Steve Barron, I, I believe he's the one who did uh Michael Jackson's uh was it Billy Jean or was it Eda? I think it was Billy Jean. And that was like a big deal at the time. Oh yeah, with the every time he stepped on one of the tiles it lit up. I mean it was considered ahead of its time. Yeah, so I, I think that was like one of the things that set him on fire. So there's that connection between from Michael Jackson. I mean, he did uh, do Toto's Africa. So yeah, and now he was also involved with the Human League. Who, who uh, the one of the Human League was the composer of the the set the score of the film. Right. Uh, there's there's a lot. Of, just this film's just dripping with eighties. Well, it doesn't say that he directed the Billie Jean video. I could have sworn. But he's done everything. Oh wait, no, it's, it is right here. I'm sorry, Michael Jackson, Billy Jean. There it is. Thank you. It was right after Thank the Human League. Uh, the first thing he ever did was the Human League. Do you want me in 1981? Oh, what's and, the other band? At the end, they give a list of all the all the uh, music in the film. Right. And like, there's one band that jumps like, oh fuck, this couldn't be any more 80s. Uh, who was it? Um, soundtrack listings. Where is that? Uh, let your dreams. For a second, I thought Tangerine Dream was on the soundtrack because the music in some spots was very Tangerine Dream. I mean, the, the soundtrack, uh, Boy George, is in there. Okay. Uh, UB40. UB40, really? They've been around that fucking long. <laughs> um, I think aren't they just famous for one song, Red Red Wine? Yo- Johann Sebastian Bach. Oh wait, that was the. Never mind, that was something else. Red Red Wine. I think that's the the the, the only song that they're famous for. UB40. Well, Phil Collins is in there. Culture Club, yeah, did a number of songs in here. Culture Club. <coughs> is that what Excuse I was? Me. I think that was. I think it was Culture Club. I think yeah, when I saw Culture Club, I was like, oh yeah, super eighties. Super eighties. <laughs> just fuck. The the eighties 
get, vaginally gave birth to Culture Th- Club. This film was more eighties than um than um the uh, <laughs> than Dirty Dancing. Well, Dirty Dancing takes place in the fifties. Right, and did it, co- it came out in the nineties, so I don't know why. No, I said it, that. it came out in eighty seven. It, 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 it okay. came out in the eighties, but was was it eighty seven? Was it that early? Yeah, but it portrayed the fifties. Portrayed the fifties, yeah. All right, so that was a horrible analogy. It then, was so terrible. I, I was just gonna kind of let it slide, but this is this is more eighties than staying alive. Plot keywords for this film are computer, love, architect, love triangle, cello. <laughs> cello. <laughs> cello. Uh. Oh, hang on. I got to check out uh, why we're talking. Let's go into Parents Guide. Let's do it. Uh, sex well. and nudity. One scene of implied sex. Yeah. A woman puts her head near a man's crotch, making oh. her ex-boyfriend think she's performing oral sex on him. That wasn't. That wasn't exactly her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, someone so that, that looked over. What fucking moron would even think that that's an ex-boyfriend? Someone, yeah, someone's not paying attention to the film. Fuck. You know what? And that's it always pisses me off too. Like I, I remember reading when Hellraiser two came out, and even though it was a shitty film, right? Like the rev- it was probably Stephen Weddy, but I read a review, <laughs> and and it wasn't that they were saying it was a bad film. It was that they got key plot elements wrong. <laughs> oh really? Yes, yeah, so like something about how like they brought him to life and stuff. I'm reading. I was like, that's not what happened. That's not what the film's doing. If you can't get the facts right, then how can you tell me that you know how the film was? Right. Always bothers me. Uh, Edgar writes a song with humorously sexually explicit lyrics. They weren't explicit. There was what the word tits was in the lyrics. Uh, Edgar asks what screw means. Uh, it means you know you, you turn counterclockwise and drive it in. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, there it is. Violence and gore. A, ma- a man's hand is grabbed tightly. Oh, what? A man is shocked by electricity numerous times. A man's hand is burnt on a hot doorknob. In a, fantasy, in a fantasy sequence, a pixelated man falls down a pit and is nearly crushed by a building in an earthquake. Now, I don't know how messed up you have to be to not know that was a woman. <laughs> Seriously, there is, there is, I can't, there is, there is no way you're in your right mind and you thought that that was a man, a pixelated man falling down that pit. Now, you got to read the spoilers. Uh, it, I don't know if I want to. Why are you afraid of giving away? No, because it's so long. No, it's just so long. Well, I want. I want. Someone took the time to write this long ass spoiler. Can I summarize it? That's under violence and gore. Can I? Can I? Can I summarize it yeah, for you? Go for it. Miles has a fight with the computer. <laughs> but they. But, <laughs> but here's. But, but <laughs> here's the, the thing. One, it's a, <laughs> Edgar explodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's not violence because it's a computer. Right and. And because it's under violence and gore, someone had to put that uh, Miles comes home from a date with Madeline to find Edgar having a creepy drawing of an eye on the sh- on his screen and harasses him. It's like that's violence and gore. Really, simulate anger. Ooh, that should that should be under frightening intense scenes. Someone again, again, if you're dumb enough to actually like fill this stuff out, then you're probably not understanding basic no. concepts profanity few uses of shit several uses of goddamn in one scene one use of tits and one use of screw <laughs> the computer uses the word f asterisk asterisk k several times about 20 in quick succession 
This is heavily processed, sampled, but still can be understood. Oh, okay. And of course, this is the parent's guide, so they're expecting my four-year-old to understand this. Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Some, Some drinking. Drink. Some drinking. Actually, was there any drinking? Didn't he just trip over his own drink? I didn't think that he actually had alcohol in the film. Maybe I didn't really pay attention to it. I don't think they ever actually showed him drinking alcohol. I, I, he, he had the bottle of champagne, but he spilled it. I don't think there's actually any drinking of alcohol in this film. I right. think this person's stupid. And I and the scene where Edgar is like, well, I made you a drink, and he trips over it. So right. he didn't drink that either. He's actually yeah. spent more time cleaning up alcohol than ever drinking it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they had any alcohol when they went on dates because where did they, they went to a drive-in in Alcatraz. I don't think either of them serves alcohol. No. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any alcohol drinking. I, mm. uh, frightening intense scenes. The scene with Edgar attacking Miles can be frightening to some. I See, would... that's that whole, that whole big thing under violence and gore, that's all that is. Yeah. Edgar fights with Miles. And uh, I, I would like to see who that's frightening <laughs> to because I think they need to be, have a little talking to. Frightening slash intense scenes. The scene where Edgar explodes is rather sad. <laughs> no, it's Okay, not. but is it frightening or intense? No, it's neither. <laughs> they didn't know where to put that. <laughs> I. This needs to be heard. Oh, I hate people. Well, where should I put it? Well, I guess it can go under frightening and intense. Now, my, my the favorite thing I read about this film, um, Virginia Madsen uh, apparently... Uh, she bought the remake rights to this film. Oh, God. But no one would take it. That's a waste of money. Everyone was like, no. Sorry. No. She probably like won it at a poker game. Who are you kidding? Do you think she still owns it? <laughs> As opposed to what? Sold it to somebody else? She couldn't get anybody to do it. I bet she still owns it. But possibly. And you know what? I think they should remake this. As a horror film. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have, or well, just a long music video, or one long music video. Sure. I would even still call it Electric Dreams. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Don't even change the title. Yeah. So, are we? Uh, have we said our piece? There's not a lot to say about the film. They're really not. Uh, now, its IMDb rating is actually it's higher than I expected it to be. Six point five. Six. You know, it's a lot. Of, Children of the '80s, maybe they have a soft spot. For this, yeah, that's, that's that's all it could be. Children of the '80s, like like again, like me. I still have fond memories of watching this. I smiled when I was watching this. I didn't. It's not a horrible film. It's just a so so typically '80s. Uh, well, yeah, amazingly typical. I I challenge you to give me show me a film more '80s than this. Oh, yeah. Possible. Just from the music videos alone. It's impossible. Impossible. But I would go with a six on this. I can I can I can go with a six. I think I, I, I think I, I think it's above average as far as uh the cinematography goes and the acting isn't bad. Um and Edgar you gotta love Edgar. You know, just for the the script's progression of Edgar becoming in te uh, aware or sentient, it's done well. Yeah, I mean, it, and like you have to you have to you have to fight to recognize that too because you're stuck in all these music uh, videos, and and but you have, you have to wait, yeah hold on they're actually taking a step by step 
this whole idea of awakening awareness. It wasn't just like, uh, boosh, next day. Who am I? Who are you? It was like, they took a couple days. Right. It was like baby steps. Yeah. I, that alone, I, I, I felt, deserves it. And you yeah. know what? Maybe they wouldn't have been able to do that if they hadn't have padded it with music videos. So maybe, you know, I, I, I would definitely say six. Let's do a six. Okay. And I got to see the demographics on this. That'll 5, be interesting. 5,500 5, votes. Yep. <laughs> Highest demographic. Uh, um, one person under 18 gave it 10 stars. <laughs> Whoever this child is, bless you. <laughs> if you ignore the, the one, like, uh, freakishly nerdish, uh, pre uh you know middle uh, 15 year old kid right uh i'm assuming they're not five um if you ignore that uh and ignore imdb staff four star uh seven stars out of four of them i was just looking at the imdb staff which is weird seven out of ten yeah um it's gotta be child of the 80s but if you ignore that the lowest demographic is females 18 to 29 Right, with a yeah. six point two. The demographics are really across the boards around six and a half, except for the one freakish under eighteener and the four IMDb staff uh, yeah, nerds. Which you wouldn't think IMDb staff would have given this such a high score. Well, yeah, four, four give average a seven. I mean, it's possible one of them gave a ten. That is true. I don't know. That is true. Well, well, there's uh, out of the out of all the the votes. Uh, Ten is the third highest rating. It's it's not it's it's not a complete horseshoe or concave. It's uh the highest rating is seven, then six, and then ten. Wow. With fifteen percent of the votes. Interesting. Really, uh, yeah. I mean, really. Uh, there's a lot of love for the film. There seems to be, which kind of makes me think that if they remade it, it would it would get garner some attention. I uh, I don't know about that. Speaking of speaking of Garnet attention and remakes, yes, uh, Flatliners. Yeah, isn't that coming out this fall? Yeah, yeah. why? It's um. I always notice that there are certain films that it's probably PG thirteen, and they always they no. No, I I saw the trailer. It better not be PG for thirteen. They're not trying to get the high school crowd that just is going back to school. I, I'm checking because because um, it, 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 they sell it like a horror film. It's which, not. Which, it's it's not rated yet. Which Flatliners kind of uh, the original kind of did. Uh, I having watched the trailer. Why? Because it's you know movies 25 years old, so yeah. it, I'm surprised they haven't tried to remake it sooner. I I. I, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a, a, a huge fan of the first one or a diehard fan of the first one. Uh, I will give it credit that it it, it was a lot um, like like this whole thing they show like the the, the, the trailer like this white uh, scientific room and everything's clean and sterile. In the original movie, they're, they're like, "Yeah, we we're gonna do this on our we're gonna do this on the slide because no one would, would back yeah, this." They're, they're doing so, it in like the fucking like, back room, like an room. old hotel with yeah. candles and shit. Yeah, uh, the the big the, one of the biggest things I remember from Flatliners is the first time I ever saw Oliver Platt. Uh, that was the first, yeah, one of, one of one of 
And I've yeah, liked them I, ever since. Oh, yeah, I liked him in it. I actually wondered why he didn't have as much screen time. Well, it's because he wasn't as pretty as everybody else. Wow. But this um, is true. It, it, uh, I, I just, why? <laughs> I was there. Was there a huge? I, I, uh, yeah. I, I understand. The only, the only answer I can, I can like, get for why for this is why not? What, that's right. Why not? I, I just were they just making? Are they just like? Do they just like pick shit out of a hat now? It does, certainly feels that way, doesn't it? It's, a, uh, it's either an original idea or we pick out of the fishbowl. Jimmy, it's your turn. Ooh, flatliners! Oh, I haven't seen that uh, one in a while. Got to look that shit up. I think we get a, a Kiefer Sutherland cameo. What's he doing right now? Ah, <laughs> oh, I think we get I Julia in on this. So, do you have a challenge for me, sir? Uh, Electric Dreams was my challenge to you. Oh shit! Was it? Yeah. That's not good. Do you have a challenge for me, sir? <laughs> no. I have some ideas. <laughs> hey, honestly, in my head, for some reason, you challenged this to me. Uh, no, it's no, true. No, you but, but, brought it up. I didn't even think of Electric Dreams. I chose what, it, but you, 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 you... What I... Here, what I have, what I came up with was Hackers, War Games, Heartbeeps. And I went with Heartbeeps. But those were the three films that I was thinking of the most. So technically, I did challenge you to Electric Well, you Dreams. said, well, what about... Well, you mentioned it earlier in the show, and I added it to my list. Right. Because I had forgotten completely about it. Mm. So I added it to my list. I said, I'm p putting Electric Dreams on my list because you mentioned it earlier in the show. And I said, listen, I want to go with Heartbeeps. And you kind of said, nah, let's go with Electric Dreams. You like that challenge better. But my, my challenge was Heartbeeps. And I could have stuck to it, but I catered to you. Right. So I challenged you. So now it's your turn. Oh, then I'm just going to pick some. Well, you know, okay. All right. Fine. Then I have a challenge. Then, uh oh. I have it. I have a challenge. What? Do you, it's only one movie that I thought of uh, the entire time uh, during this. Uh, any hints? Uh, it's directed by Wes Craven. Oh, not not Deadly Friend. <laughs> it's Deadly Friend. <laughs> 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 oh. And no one's gonna get the reference until the end of the movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Deadly Friend. That's the only thing I thought of because I'm like, you know, because you had mentioned, yeah, you know, this could have been a horror film, and like I said, I had never really saw this, and I'm like, when is this gonna become like a thriller or a horror film? And I just kept thinking of Deadly Friend. I remember Deadly. I remember Deadly Friend. I think that came out in '88. And that had um, uh, Buffy, Christy Swanson, Buffy 86. the Vampire Slayer. 86. 86. So did she do Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 1990? Or 91? I don't know. I was never a Buffy fan. Or was that 92? Uh, 92. 92. It was 92. Okay. I was never a huge Buffy fan. See, uh, Christy, uh, Christy Swanson. Is it Swanson? Christy Swanson? Is that her name? I don't care. I don't care. Um, she had done Ferris Bueller's Day Off uh, the year before she did Deadly Friend, and she had a very bit part. She was Simone, and she was the one that said she saw, uh, she heard from a friend from a friend that Ferris Bueller was at 36 Flavors and threw up, and that's why he's not in today. Like, that was her line. That's now, I, I, I know we'll cover a lot of this stuff when we review it next week, but Deadly Friend 
came out between um, eighty six. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, it came out. Hang on. What? Eighty six, right? Yeah. Yeah. How? Co- oh, you know why? Because I'm looking at Wes Craven's what he wrote, and he didn't write it; he just directed it. Um. He didn't. Did he did. Did he, did he just produce it? Wes Craven. Wes Craven. He directed it. He directed it. Right. It's based on a novel by Diana Hensel, Henstel. Oh, it's and based on a book? And uh, screenplays by Bruce Joel Rubin. No, don't tell me it's based on a book. Yeah, and it's... Uh, uh. And I guarantee you it's this, the book is the same name, Deadly Friend. Now, uh, now, obviously, Wes Craven only did the first Nightmare, and then every, they, you know, they took off without him after that. Yeah, he was just but, a producer on all of them. But th- Deadly although Friend did, came did, out. Although, didn't he write the second one? Uh, did he write the second one? I I don't. Yes. Uh, he wrote the second one, kind of like what Carpenter on. did with Halloween Two. Um, no, no, he did not write the second one. Oh. Uh, he, he's he's listed as a writer because the character's based on. He's he's listed technically as a writer on all of them. Characters, okay. Yeah, but he but he did not write it. That that was uh, let me find out who that was. That was, was uh, David, David Chaskin. Chaskin, Chaskin okay. yeah. But, but all I was getting at is Deadly Friend came out. So maybe I'm between, thinking of Halloween two then. Basically, it came out between Nightmare two and Nightmare three. So he, he, just by proxy, Wes Craven was still hot shit. Yeah. And just having his name attached to something guaranteed it doing well because, you know, the. Two and three, they were uh, the Freddy's films were still doing well. Yep. I don't think it dropped off until I don't know. I have to do research on that. Um, so what I was thinking of was then Halloween two. Uh, Carpenter wrote Halloween two, <sighs> even though he didn't direct it. Okay. So he wrote it with Deborah Hill. Oh yeah, I haven't. Wa- I have not watched this. I haven't watched Deadly Friends since I watched it when it came out. I haven't seen it in a long time. I had it on Laserdisc. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even. I haven't I seen have it for it. a long time. Now, John Carpenter. I'm just because I just happened to click on his name. He directed a video short called "Escape from New York." Now, was that for like Universal Studios or some shit? Um, I don't know about it. Uh, was it? Is it before or after the movie? Oh, it came out in 2016. The the vid, the short short film. Oh, I don't. I have no idea. Then he did. Uh, he did something called John Carpenter Distant Dream, then John Carpenter Escape from New York. Okay, I do not have Deadly Friends in my uh, in my collection. Uh, Deadly Friends. I will oh. have to find it. And it's interesting. Uh, he he did Ghost of Mars, and then pretty much hasn't done Th- anything. For me. Anything past Ghost of Mars. Good. He, he did the Ward. Um, in 2010, but that's it. He did Masters of Horror. He did two episodes. Um, he kind of re- retired. Kinda... After Ghost of Mars, good. <laughs> it's funny. You know Siskel I... and Ebert gave that both two thumbs up. And ironically, I, I just finished or recently. Uh, I was reading the... Roper. I was reading the BFI uh, Modern Classics series on the Thing. Oh, okay. So that was a bit, a bit of coincidence there. That was interesting. Nice, some nice takes on the film there. Oh, man. That 
That's right. He did Village of the Damned. Christopher Reeves. Reeve. Same thing. Not uh, the same thing. Must think of a wall. <laughs> and then they fucking show a brick wall. <laughs> and it's like but breaking apart. I, I liked it. It was good. I liked that part. That was like Christopher Reeve is the only good thing in that remake. Uh, yeah, I guess so. That that and that they all look like Biscavage. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and then Escape from L.A. he did after Village of the Damned. Then Vampires, which is probably the strongest thing he did. Uh, that was the beginning of the end. That was kind of the beginning of the end. But it's surprising that he did Vampires, which I know we've had our differences on that. You you go more in the way of the book, and I just go more in the way of the film, that I, well, I enjoyed the film. You know, again, it, it's when you read the book and you realize, okay, I adapted this into a film... And then you watch the film and say, okay, I know you have to change things, but like, there's so much good stuff in the book that it's almost like he didn't use it out of spite because yeah. it was way better. <laughs> and, and I'm not talking, re I'm not even like talking rewriting the movie. I'm talking like dialogue. Yeah. It's just no, like, I, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I, I know you got James Woods. You want to have him swear and say funny things, but Holy shit, there's some great dialogue in this book. <laughs> I know. I get it. You have to write out the Pope because you can't really ha show the Pope in this film and you got all the budget. That's great. You're going to shoot in the desert. There's some good stuff in here. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, but even with Vampires, which was a very strong effort uh, and, in my opinion, a pretty good movie. Compar compared to Ghost of Mars? Yes, it's a great film. Uh, it just he that's it he was after vampires he was done making good films well i'm he 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 uh he did enough i mean he's a fucking he he, he made films that will survive forever decades you know yeah I, again I mean, one of the interesting things in this this book on the thing uh the the, the author um ann bilson she points out in the beginning that when the film came out it was a critical and financial failure critics bombed the film yeah it oh, did yeah. not do well in the theater and here we are now. I defy you to, t to, find, to, to find anybody who won't say still the best, one of the best horror films ever made. Oh, absolutely. Or horror, horror sci-fi films. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 is, it is up. It, it's just, it's inarguable. And even stuff like uh, Big Trouble Little China still has a strong fan base. Yep. You know, and. And and uh, thank God they never tried to remake Big Trouble because look what fucking happened when they did a prequel to the thing. Oh, yeah. that fucking thing! I still want to see the fan edit, the things. Yeah, me too. I, I keep looking for that every now and then. And I can never find it. If anybody out there has a copy of that, let us know. Yeah, send it send it our way. If anybody out there has any fan edits, let us know because we've been trying to get into the, ooh, get into them. Yeah. After our own little uh, uh, breaking without the breaking. <laughs> all right I, I think it's inevitably that time to end the show yes sir yes sir all right everyone as always thanks for joining us episode 248 of movie sucktastic uh next week we will be reviewing deadly friend <laughs> yes and i already have your and i already have your challenge for the week after so. based off of that okay yeah oh yeah um, it's done okay we might have to record either on that Wednesday or the following week, only because I have a retirement dinner to go to. 
Okay. Um, we'll work it out. But we'll, anyway, we'll, tell, we'll tell everybody. Yeah. Yep. 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 Anyway, um, I mean, next week I'm good, but the week after, maybe not. Uh, okay. So please go to our website at moviesucktastic.com. Download the show there. Listen to the show there. Tune in live every Thursday at 8 o'clock and hang out with us while we review the film we are talking about right now. Next Deadly week. Friend. Deadly Friend. Um, so you can go to iTunes. You can download the show or listen to it there as well. You can also go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviesucktastic. Uh, subscribe. Like us. Whatever the fuck you do on Facebook. Um, just go ahead and do that. And everything from when we post trailers to when we talk about when we're going live to just movie news in general, it gets posted pretty much there first. Uh, if you want to leave us email, the address is themovieguys at moviesucktastic.com. If you want to leave us voicemail, the number is 908-514-4470. If you want to go to our Tumblr page, it's moviesucktastic.tumblr.com. And please go ahead and download the free Android app for your phone or tablet or any Android device that you're using. Uh, it's 100% free and everything I mentioned is in it. So go ahead oh, and get that. Yeah, and we're also on Twitter. We are on Twitter. Not heavily, but we're there. Well, I mean, when you post something on Twitter, it goes to the Facebook page. And no, vice versa. It's When you post something on Facebook, it goes to Twitter? Yeah, so if, you, if you're not a Facebook person, you can still follow us on Twitter. I'm pretty sure if you post it on Twitter, no. it goes to Facebook, too. No, no, I'm the one that does it, so I'll, I'm telling you. Are you sure? Yes. You sure, Clark? Yes. <laughs> you serious, Clark? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, uh, do you have any words of wisdom, Mr. Wilson? Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> You are uh, a I, liar! I was, I was just going to do a bud. It's just like, I want to meet her. <laughs> and on that note, good night. We night. Will, we'll talk to you next week. I think they can be listening to any time of the day. I'm going to say night. Yeah, well, we record at night. So they don't care. They don't know that. Well, they do now because you told them. Yeah, well, I ha have I ever? I, I don't think I've ever said good night. You haven't. That's why it threw me off. Yeah. yeah whatever. Fuck something like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. You're the one that harped on it. Yes. All right. Uh, goodbye. Does that work for you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Goodbye. Happy trails. Yeah.